Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. The creative power of words. The creative power of words. Your words are either going to make you or your words are going to break you. Your words are either going to pave a path towards the blessing of God or your words are going to pave the path to the opposite. The Bible says, as they did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from them. As they, as they loved cursing, so let it come to them. And the way you delight in something is you speak about something. When you love something, you talk about something. I love the Lord. I always talk about the Lord. I'm not trying to be hyper-spiritual. This is just how I am. I don't really have much to say outside of the Bible, ministry, and winning the loss. I really don't have much to say. I'm actually a very boring person If uh, outside of those things. My mind is just wired to think that way. Uh, and it wi- became wired like that over the years as I've studied in the Word and I've, I've, I've prayed and I've pressed into the Lord. The Lord has transformed my mind and renewed my mind to, 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 um, to be wired this way. And so that's just how I am. That's, so that's when I speak. You know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth just begins to speak what, what I love to speak on. You, what you love, you'll speak about it. So when the Bible says, you did not delight in blessing, let it be far from you. When you don't delight in the word of God, when you don't delight in the blessing of God, when you start to get your eyes off of where God wants to take you, and you start start to focus on negative things like Peter gets out of the boat he walks on water but then his focus began to look towards the winds and the waves and the stormy waves and all that and then he lost the focus and he began to sink when that happens you start to speak differently. You're going to speak what you're focused on. You are going to speak what you're focused on. If your focus is on CNN and your focus is on news media and your focus is on the lies of the devil and your focus is on uh, what analytics are saying and all that and experts say and professionals say this and that and it's not on the word of God, your mouth is going to mirror their report. But your mouth can mirror the report of the Lord. When that happens, blessing is attracted to you when the opposite happens when your mouth mirrors the report of the world the bible says it very clearly you're not delighting in blessing and it will be far from you what you speak is what you will magnetize to your life that is an irrefutable law of faith i know some people are thinking well you're talking about you know uh uh you're talking about like positive speaking or you're talking about like uh christian science or power of confession all that and that's wrong actually First of all, power of confession is not wrong. Power of confession, Christian science is wrong because Christian science is just, it's just uh, incantations. It's speaking one thing over and over and over and over again, like in some weird... Um, mystic state in order to to draw to magnetize that thing to your life that's wrong that's like witchcraft i'm not talking about positive confession i'm not talking about uh, uh uh positive thinking i'm talking about bible confession today if you have negative confession you'll have negative results if you have positive confession you'll have positive results if you have bible confession you'll have supernatural results so today i want to show you what the word of god 
has to say about this creative power that God has put in you, having been made in his image, God put in you a creative power that is exclusive to human beings. Dolphins do not have this. Donkeys do not have this. Monkeys do not have this. Only human beings have this creative power, and that is the ability to speak and to see, to create things through the words that you speak. I want you to understand something. Your words are seeds. Whether you realize it or not, your words that you speak on a daily basis form a seed that is sown into the ground, and it is ultimately that which is going to determine the harvest that you reap in your life. Your words are seeds. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, the Bible says this. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So the Bible says the seed is the word. Your word is a seed. You can put the, the seed of the word, which is bi the Bible, Bible confession into the ground. And like I said, reap a supernatural harvest. Or you can sow negative seeds. You can sow worldly seeds and get worldly results, negative results. But the seed that you sow on a continual basis is going to determine the harvest that you reap. Because every seed, remember this, in Genesis chapter 1, when God created the earth, he had, there's uh, some verses in chapter 1 that says... Uh, when it's, he's referring to the vegetation and the trees and the fruits and and all the vegeta the vegetation of the earth, he says everything will produce a seed that will produce according to its kind. He says and every seed will produce according to its kind. So a seed has the DNA to produce what it carries. Oh hallelujah! A seed car uh, has contains within itself the DNA to produce what it. It carries. A seed is designed to produce according to the DNA that it carries. So when you have an apple seed, you put it in the ground. You don't have to pray for apples to grow. The seed is going to produce apples because it is designed with a specific DNA strand that produces it effortlessly. In the same vein, the words that you speak, you program those words with a specific DNA that will produce according to its kind. So if you speak negative res uh, negative things constantly, you have a negative confession, you have a negative Nancy confession, you're constantly saying what you can't do, constantly saying what's in opposition to you, constantly complaining about the situation around you, you're always saying, you know, I can never have that. Well, you know, I, I never test well, or I, I've never been smart, or I've never, I've never succeeded. I've never been a success. I've never had that. My family's always been poor. You start to say that you're programming your seed with negative DNA that is going to produce a negative harvest because a seed produces according to its kind. So this is where I'm getting it. Your life, now this is going to mess up a lot of religious teachings that you've heard over the years. This is going to mess up, if you have any religious bone in you, it's going to hurt right now. Your life is not determined by what God wants for your life. Your life is not going to be determined by what the devil wants and desires to happen in your life. Your life is going to be determined by whose report you believe and speak. If you believe what God has said and speak his report and you sow those seeds, the Bible seeds into the ground, you will reap the blessing that God has available 
It's not automatic. It is available to everyone that is of the redeemed. But if you believe what the devil wants you to believe, and then you lend your mouth to the devil to spew out what he says. You know what the word confession means? The word confession in the Hebrew literally means to say the same thing. So when your confession is lined up with God, what we're saying is you're saying the same thing that God says. You're saying the same thing that God says about your life. You're saying the same things that God says about your finances. You're saying the same things that God says about your body, about your health. Now, the opposite can be true. When you confess what the devil says, you're saying the same thing of what the devil has wished upon your life. See, the devil has a prophecy about you and God has a prophecy about you. And you, you determine what prophecy you, uh, you let out of your mouth. You determine what prophecy you prophesy concerning yourself. Understand this. Everything God has said in his word is a prophecy about you. Everything God has said about Satan is a prophecy about Satan. Everything God has said about your health, about your finances, about your family is a prophecy about those things. And you have to be like Ezekiel today, that no matter what it looks like, if it looks like it's dry, if it looks like it's struggling, you have to learn to prophesy as God has commanded. The word of God is a command to you to prophesy what it says. So if it says your children will be blessed of the Lord, don't confess my children are dumb or my children aren't going to amount to anything or I'm worried about my children. No, my children are blessed of the Lord. They shall not come forth with trouble. If the Bible says with long life, I'm going to satisfy you, quit saying what the devil wants you to say. That is your life can be cut short at any time. Tragedy strikes us all in the, in, in the opposite. Go the opposite way. You say what the Bible says. My life will not be cut short from tragedy. My life will be long and it'll be a satisfying life. The number of my days, he's going he's gonna to fulfill. As my days are, so shall my strength be. The Bible says in old age you shall be fresh and you shall be flourishing. So your, your life is going to be a product of the things that you prophesy. You self-prophesy. You self-prophesy. Your words are self-prophecy. Listen to this. 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to this. This is important because a lot of people have never heard this before. And that's why they go through these perpetual vicious cycles of struggle and frustration and defeat and failure when they read, you know, Joshua chapter one that says that no man will be able to stand before me all the days of my life as uh, everywhere the sole of your foot treads on will be land that I give you. Your way will be prosperous. You'll have good success. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you. They get this like this courage and this confidence, man, this is amazing that God's promised me all these things, but then they look at their life and they're like, it, it doesn't line up because they don't take a toll on, or they don't take an examination on what they're letting out of their mouth daily. They never, they never uh, examine their daily confession. They never have this, what I'm preaching to you today, preach to them. 
So they're lost. They don't understand why things are going in a circle. They read the Bible. They see this glorious plan of salvation. They see that the Bible says those whom he predestinated, he also did uh, call to be justified. And also whom he justified, he also did glorify. They see that God has a plan to glorify us, a plan to take us up out of the miry clay. They see this, this amazing blueprint found in the word that says that uh, I'll be your light in your salvation, that I'll be your helper, that every blessing and goodness and mercy is going to chase you down. They see all of it written out plainly in the word of God, but they're not seeing it in their life. And it's because I believe 99.9%, a lot of people blame the devil. A lot of people blame the devil. They blame demons for shortcomings in life. But I'm, I guarantee you that on judgment day, that when we look back at everything that, everything that, 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 that's happened to us in life, and the devil's standing on trial, and we're ready to pin the blame on him. I guarantee you, there's going to be some people that are blaming the devil on what happened in their life, that the devil's going to stand up and say, hey, hey, listen to, listen to this, Lord. I, I know I'm the father of lies, and I know when I speak, usually it's a lie. But I got to tell you, what that person's complaining about that happened on that day, December 2024... I wasn't even in Canada. I wasn't even in the United States. I wasn't even in the UK at that moment. I was actually out in Syria. I was out in Afghanistan doing something else. And so that wasn't me. That was their own word. That was their own mouth that led to that. Do you understand this? The devil wish he had as much of a success rate of bringing you down as your mouth does. The devil wishes that he had as much of a success rate in bringing you down that your mouth has. More mouths have killed more destinies than the devil ever wished or ever aspired to, to, to do. Words kill more people daily, bring more people down, discourage more people, strip people of, of, of the anointing more than the devil could ever wish to do because the devil is not omnipresent. The devil is, is, is confined He's not everywhere at once. So this whole the devil did this, the devil did that business is not true. Yes, there is a real devil. Yes, there are real demons. I'm not discounting. I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare maybe next week. I'm going to talk about the reality of demons and dominion over devils and all that. I'm going to do that. But I want to tell you something today. Because you're going to, you're going to go on living a very frustrated life if you don't know this one thing. Your words carry the capacity to bring you victory in life or to bring you defeat in life. The devil doesn't get to decide your destiny. The devil does not get to decide your future. The devil can try and prophesy all he wants. The devil can try and whisper lies all he wants. But it, like I said before, it's what you choose to believe and speak out of your mouth that you're going to have in life. Listen to this. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. And we have the prophetic word confirmed. Speaking of the Bible. Peter's talking about the Bible here. We have the prophetic word confirmed. So the word of God is a prophecy concerning our lives. Which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. So you might be in a dark place today. You receive God's word. It acts as a light that shines in a dark place in a dark place, you might not be out of the dark place immediately, but it acts as a light to guide you out of that dark place. The Bible says you're not to, to despise the light. There's a lot of people who despise the word of God. 
The Bible says we're not to despise the word of God. And I despise, don't get me wrong here. The word despise is not to go out and say, I hate God's word. That's not what despise means in the original uh, uh, Greek. And then if you go in the Old Testament, the original Hebrew, it never means to absolutely abhor God's word, to be disgusted by it. That's not what it means. The word despise, you know, the Bible says they despise me. And so I lightly esteem them. That word despise is to lightly esteem God's word. It's to hold God's word at equal value to everyone else's word. It's to, to greatly reduce the weight of the word of God. To not receive it as what it really is, God's word which performs its power in them that believe. That's what despising God's word is. There's a lot of people that sit in church on Sunday morning and they might not say, they, they'll actually confess it. Oh, God's word is inerrant. God's word is infallible. God's word is perfect. God's word never changes. You can say all those things which are true, but there's, you can say them and still, still actively despise the word of God. Because despising God's word is not simply uh, being disgusted by it. That's not what it means. It means to hold it in light esteem. It means to, to cast it off as like not, 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 not pertinent to me. It's to hear it and just let it come in one ear and out the other. There's a lot of people in the church that, that act that way concerning the word of God. It comes in one ear and out the other. They, that's why you can go to a service and you have 150 people in a service and 10 people receive a supernatural breakthrough and victory and then 140 go home unchanged. You can have 10 people with the same situation and one of them receive breakthrough and the other nine go unchanged. It's not because God had plans to break that one out today and the other ones are, you know, it's, uh, it's God's will to, for a latter time in their lives or God's timing's differently for them. No. God's timing is when you decide to believe, no longer despise the word of God, to believe God's word, receive it, and say like the woman with the issue of blood, I know that if I'll touch the hem of his garment, I will, not I might, I will be made well. So the Bible says we're not to despise the word, we are to heed, we're to cling to it, we're to love it, we're to embrace it, we're to receive it, we're to adopt it to our mentality, we're to let it govern our thoughts, rule our mind, rule our actions and our belief system. We're to do well to heed it as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns. So it's not going to dawn immediately, sometimes it does, but sometimes there's a process. So this is where people get, get it wrong when it comes to uh, what I'm speaking on today, the creative power of words. They tried it once. Well, I tried speaking, uh, you know, it didn't work for me. I, I used to declare the word of God and, you know, all this claiming God's word and declaring God's word. And I did that. It didn't work for me. You know, and they, they tried it for what? Like a day, a week, a month? And it didn't work. And so they just, they just discarded it. It must, it must not be the word of God because it didn't work for me. You prideful individual you prideful person suck up your pride it didn't work for me so it must not be God's word all right so what are we gonna do look at everyone that backslid in life that were on fire for God and no longer on fire for God and say well it didn't work for them must not be God's word salvation must not be in God's word must be a fairy tale Jesus must not have died on that cross you know, just because someone didn't get healed, well, it didn't work for them, so it must not be in God's word. Really? Is that how we're going to rule our belief system? 
Is that how we're going to we're going to determine what we believe in life by what others are going through? Try that. See where you end up. Be a confused person in life. Be a roller coaster Christian. You'll be messed up. Tell a lot of Christians are. They're not ruled by they don't let this Bible have the final say of authority in their life. They rule their belief system based on what they've seen done to others. They're more interested in the, other, the opinions of man and the testimony of man than they are in the testimony of God and the opinion of God. And that's why their results in life are very low, if anything. There's a lot of people that lower their theology to match their tragedy, and that's why their life is a tragedy. I've made up my mind. I don't care what others have been through. I, I don't say that in an in a, in a arrogant, uh, careless way, in, like non-compassionate, in a non-compassionate way. I care in the sense that I don't want you to go through that, but ultimately, it doesn't impede on my belief system. What others go through does not impede on what I believe about God and what I believe I'll have in life. What I see others go through does not affect what I believe about God and what I believe will be my lot in life. What God's word, that's why the Bible says in Romans 3, 4, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Let every man be a liar. Let every testimony that lines up not with God's word be a lie. And let God's word be true. You know, I was talking to my wife in the car yesterday on our way to church. And I was saying, isn't it amazing that when you tell somebody, to start to declare them, like start to declare, by his stripes, I'm healed. And then they immediately object and say, well, I, f I still have pain in my body. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie and say I'm healed when I still have pain in my body. I'm not going to lie and say I'm prosperous when I still can't make uh, rent for the end of the month. I'm not going to lie and say that I have victory when the situation looks like this. No, no, no. Rather, when I see it, I'll start to speak it. Oh, that's exactly what believing is, right? It's seen and then believing no Jesus told Thomas you Thomas you believe because you see blessed are those who believe even though they've not seen believing isn't waiting for the thing to manifest and then getting on board you know that's how a lot of weak people act in life they wait for the victory to come and then they come out and say hey we've been here all the long oh, you know anyways I can get on a tangent on that but that's how a lot of weak people think they wait for the victory to come and then they come into the army and say we've We've supported you from day one. They're weak people. They're not champions. They're not warriors. Warriors start when the, like Peter said in 2 Peter 1, when there's still darkness, they're giving heed to the light that shines in a dark place. When there's still darkness invading their life, when it seems like nothing's working, they're not confessing what the darkness is showing. They're confessing the, the light that they see until the day dawns, until they see. And the scene, it might take a little bit of time, but the scene always comes. Scene always precedes confession. And so you have people, I was telling my wife, you know, you, you have people that object that. I'm not going to, I'll never say that until I see it. Well, I'm lying. It's a lie to say that I'm healed if I still feel sick. Really. When you say that, get this, understand this. When you say that, you, the word of God says by his stripes you're healed. The word of God says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, sickness being a part of the curse, that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. So the word of God declares you well. We know the word of God to be the ultimate truth of the universe. 
The Bible says, forever thy word, O Lord, is settled in the heavenlies. So when you say, I'm not going to declare myself healed because I don't feel that way, and I would be lying, ultimately, get this, what you're saying is that God's word is a lie, and my feelings are, is what's true, and have more authority than what the word of God says. What you're saying is that the word of God is a lie, I'm not going to confess I'm healed because I still feel this way, and that would be a lie. God's word says you're, you know, there's a difference between fact and truth. Something can be factually correct. There's pain in the body. There's a negative balance in your bank account. The family's in disarray. Your son's on drugs. You have an addiction with something and you're trying to break free from it. The fact can be, the fact can be there. It can be factually correct. That's, that's what's happening. But truth is above fact. I don't, I don't declare fact. I declare truth. Because truth prevails. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, truth will spring forth out of the earth. Facts, facts will stay dead and buried. Truth, even though it doesn't, it's a seed that you sow. And when the seed, John 12, 32 says this, when the seed is sown in the ground, it indeed dies. But when it springs forth, it produces fruit. That's what truth is. When you speak the word of God, which is the truth, you're sowing a word into the ground that will spring out and bring a harvest. The ground can't keep it down. The devil can't keep that seed in the ground. When the truth is sown, there will be a day where it will spring forth. It will blow, it'll explode out of the ground and you'll see the things that you've been declaring the entire time. Your word is a seed. We're to give, well, give heed to, a, to, to the word that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spoke when they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So that shows you that the word of God is prophecy. The word of God is not prophecy given by the will of man. It was the Holy Spirit working through man to speak things, write things down, so that thousands of years later, we'd still have something that we can work with and prophesy over our own life. Mark eleven twenty three. listen to this. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And verse 20, let's do 22 and 23. Actually, let's do verse 20. Sorry, verse 12. Now the next day when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he'd find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing on it but leaves for it was not the season for figs. In response to the tree, Jesus said, imagine Jesus spoke to a tree. He spoke. He didn't stay silent. He didn't like what he saw, and he spoke. He didn't like what was manifesting in the natural, and he didn't stay silent. A silent destiny is a closed destiny. A, a closed mouth is a closed destiny. A closed mouth is a closed destiny. If you refuse to address your situation, your, your situation is not going to change automatically. Jesus took action. And this is the action he took. He spoke in response to the situation. In response to the tree, he said, let no one eat fruit from it, from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Nothing changed right there. Nothing changed. Nothing. The tree was still there. 
There was no fruit that came from it. It didn't wither. It looked totally the same on the outside from the moment he began speaking that to the moment he finished speaking that. But skip down to verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. From the what? Dried up from the roots. And Peter remembered, saying to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. In the original Greek, it's have the faith of God or have the God-like, the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have what he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you, you, um, you ask for when you pray, believe that you've received them and you'll have them. I want you to notice something. The fig tree didn't curse from the top down. That's why they didn't see anything happen the moment he cursed it. It withered from the roots up. You have to understand something. When you speak to a situation, when you're speaking to that mountain, which a mountain represents an impossible situation, it represents something that is immovable in life, an irreversible situation in your life, a sickness that's terminal, a, 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 a financial statement that looks irreversible. You're talking about a child that wants nothing to do with you, impossible situation like a a, a, a job that says you're, you're going to be let go by the end of this week. Whatever it is that you're believe, that, um, that that the devil's thrown at you, that in the flesh it looks impossible to overcome. In the flesh, there's no way this thing's turning around. In the flesh, in the natural, it looks like it's done for you. It looks like uh, this is over. Looks like your case is closed. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus was talking about when he referred to a, a mountain. He's not talking about moving Mount Everest uh, from Nepal to North America. He's talking about things that in human strength and human capabilities are impossible to accomplish or see change. The Bible says when Jesus cursed the fig tree, it withered from the root in the unseen realm, and then it manifests in the seen realm. When you speak to the mountain, at first nothing moves. At first, no, first nothing changes. But you have to believe that the moment you gave the command from the word of God, the word of God went to work to wither up that thing at the root. So that though you might not see it with your natural eyes right now, the words you speak are working to produce that which you desire to see done. To produce what you're expecting to see done in your life. Hallelujah. I mean, that's the story. That's the story of uh, 2 Kings chapter 7. The Bible says there was a, an army that had come against Jerusalem. So that, uh, Samaria, sorry. They had besieged Samaria so that there was... There was uh, no way in or out of the city. And the people began to starve because they couldn't access their farms and all. And uh, they ended up, have, they, they resorted to cannibalism. They were eating their own children. It was a messed up situation. You can read it in 2 Kings 6 and 7. And the Bible says that Elisha the prophet got up one day and he said, by this time tomorrow, because there was massive inflation, their flour was like at a, a, a ridiculous rate. It'd be like me saying, uh, gas was like $19 a gallon today. And then I got up and I said, by this time tomorrow, 
By this time tomorrow, gas will be uh, $1.50 a gallon again. You'd look at me like I was crazy if, if gas was $19 a gallon, which right now it's not too far off. But Elisha gets up when their economy was crashed. A sale of flour was like 130 you know, just like nuts, insane prices. He said, by this time tomorrow, flour will be sold at such and such a price, which was like a 199% reduction in, in, in price. The Bible says there was an expert that was leaning on the king's uh, arm. He was like, he was next to him. He was the king's personal consultant. And when he heard Elisha say that, he was the economic analysis, analysis uh, analyst for the, for the land. He was the economic analyst for the land. When he heard Elisha say that word, that by this time tomorrow, the economy is going to be restored, so that flour will be sold at such and such a price, and, uh, and barley will be sold at such and such a price, he leaned over to the king and said, even if the Lord would open up the windows of heaven, such a thing cannot be. So Elisha gave the word. The moment he gave the word, God went to work on the situation. And you can read the story. How he had sent, he had sent, uh, he, he had given the, the opposing army the illusion that the Israelites had hired out the Hittites and the Egyptians to come to war against them. So they heard the sound of chariots. They heard the sound of people and footsteps coming towards them, but there was nothing. And so they left. They left their swords. They left their spoil. They left all of the, their possessions and they ran the opposite direction. So the Lord went to work. He brought them a great victory, but they didn't see it immediately. And so the economic analysts of the land ended up speaking against the word that Elisha brought forth. Very dangerous to speak against God's word. If you don't believe it, just it's better to keep, keep silent and just say, uh, you know, the Lord knows, than to open up your mouth and get yourself into real trouble. Because Elisha spoke back and said to the economic analysts, he said, you will indeed see with your eyes the Lord bring a victory, but you'll not taste of the victory. You see, when you declare God's word and get on board with the prophecies of scripture, you'll not only see the victory, you'll taste and see that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. However, when you speak against the word of the Lord, not only you, you'll see God bring, a, bring to pass the victory, but you'll not partake of it yourself. The very next day, when everything Elisha said would come to pass, came to pass. You know, God said, as I have spoken by my mouth, I will, uh, my, my hand has gone out to perform. What I have spoken with my mouth, my hand has gone out to perform. The next day, the king set that economic analyst to be the one who was in charge with the distribution of the food, which is a very bad thing, very, a very bad task to have if the people are starving because they're going to run you over, which is exactly what happened. They put him in charge of the distribution of bread and of food, and he got run, the Bible says he got trampled underfoot so that what Elisha had prophesied, that he would indeed see it, but not taste of it came to pass. It's better to stay silent than to speak against the word of the Lord. If it's too big for your mouth to speak it, 
it'll be too big for your hand to hold it. If it's too big, if you're not bold enough to declare it with your mouth, you're not going to have strength enough to hold it in your hands. If you can't take a public stance against sickness and against disease and call it what it really is, the work of the devil, you'll never see health manifest in your body and you'll always be slaved, enslaved to sickness and disease. If you can't take a bold stance, you can't take a bold stance against poverty, against lack and against need, you'll constantly be a slave to, to penury, to poverty, constantly be a slave to need. What you cannot say, you will not see. And what's too big for your mouth will be too big for your hand. And if you're too civilized to speak it and too dignified to release it from your mouth, then you'll be too civilized to see it and taste of it. That's what happened to Zechariah. Elizabeth's husband, he has the priestly duty to go into the Holy of Holies that year. And he's ministering before the, 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 before the Lord. And he's doing whatever he had to do as a priest in the Old Testament, and an angel comes and says, Zechariah, your prayer has ascended to heaven. So that doesn't just mean, that means Zechariah was not just ministering his priestly duties. He was like, he had his own assignment. He had his own agenda that day. He was praying to the Lord. Lord, remember my wife. We're old now. And she, we still don't have a child. Would you please fulfill your word? Cause her to be fruitful and to multiply in Jesus' name. You know, that he was praying. God sends an angel to him and says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard and I've been sent. And Gabriel said, by this time next year, uh, or in the time of, of, of childbearing, your wife will conceive and bring forth a child. You'll name him John and he'll be mighty in the Lord and he'll not taste of wine or drink. He'll go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah. He'll do great things. You know what John's reply was? How can that be? He's praying. You see, that's the thing. It's not enough just to pray and to fast. It's not enough just to pray and to fast. What you say after you pray is just as important as what you're saying while you pray. People think that like you can, you, you, faith has one place and one place only and it's in the Bible, it's in the prayer closet. The moment you leave the prayer closet, you can say whatever you want. It's an open, open, uh, open, open, uh, open field for you to say whatever you want. What you say after you pray is just as important as to what you say while you pray. People, they have these great faith-filled prayers where they, they quote every Bible scripture, they declare the word of the Lord, they're binding and loosing and doing all these great things, and then the moment they leave their prayer closet, all of a sudden, they get around someone that says, hey, how's that situation going? Oh, you know, it's been better. It's been, you know, just holding on and stuff. And they just spoke every, they spoke against everything. They just sweated in prayer and believed God in prayer to receive. You actually, by the words you speak after you pray, will either water the seeds you sowed in prayer or you'll uproot the seeds you sowed in prayer. You'll either water the seeds you sow in prayer by the words you speak after you pray, or you'll uproot the seeds you sow in prayer and waste your prayer time. Your prayer time is wasted if you don't tame your tongue after you pray. Zechariah did that. Well, how can it be? 
I'm old. My wealth is, my wife is well advanced in age. Good. Keep letting your, your mouth r ramble on, on how bad your situation is. Notice how people that talk like that never have their situation turn for the better. It just gets worse and worse. And in 26 years down the line, you ask them, you know, how are you still holding up? Uh, life is life, you know. They, they, they're defeated. They're defeated. The devil defeated them in faith by removing the faith in their heart that caused them to speak faithless words. And then he, he keeps them in a perpetual state of defeat as a result. That's why I always say, the devil goes after your faith. Satan has desire to sift you as weak. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. Because if your faith fails, your confession fails. And you are ruled by your confession. You are governed by the words that you speak, whether good or bad. Zechariah, you know what the Lord, uh, you know what Gabriel, the angel said to Zechariah? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you that you have the very thing you've been praying for. But you know what he said? Until the, the day that these things come to pass and John is born, behold, your mouth will be shut and you will not speak a word until those days come to pass, until John is born, until the Lord brings delivery of what he wants done in your life. That tells you something. There's a law of faith that even God will not get around. God has set up a law called faith. That Mark eleven twenty three, 23, we're going to get it, but get to it, but it says you will have what you say, whether good or bad, you're going to have what you say. You are going to have what you say, whether good or bad. That economic analyst in 2 Kings 7 had what he said. He said, even if the Lord could open the heavens, such a thing cannot be. He had what he said. He saw it happen for others, but for himself, he was disqualified. His words disqualified himself from partaking of what God wanted, wanted him to have included with all of Israel. Elisha had what he said. He spoke the word of the Lord. He was there the next day buying all the barley he needed and wanted. You can have what you say. Zechariah said, how can this be? I'm old. I'm a, he, that's why Gabriel shut his lips. If he kept speaking like that, John would have never come. So even God cannot cannot override the law of faith that he has set up. It's an irrefutable law. He has set up spiritual laws that even he operates by. That's why whatever God wants done in my life is going to get done. No, it won't. It won't. You know, it doesn't matter what we say, what we do. If God wants it done, it's going to come to pass. Really? So why don't you just eat, drink, and be merry? Tomorrow we die. Well, I mean, you want to use that logic? Go and take heroin the next 365 days. I'll stay clean. Let's see whose life is better at the end of that year. So it's not just whatever God wants done. You have responsibility to, di to, to, uh, to speak right words, to do right things if you want right things to happen. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, which we established this before, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, what is in abundance in his what is in abundance in his heart? What is of abundance in his heart? He's going to naturally speak, 
And the Bible says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, um, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. So what you speak forth is what you'll bring forth in life. What you'll speak forth is what you'll bring forth in life. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, it says that for from you, Paul's telling the Thessalonians, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Has sounded forth. So you... When you take the word of God and use your mouth to declare it, you're sounding forth the word of God and what you sound forth is what will come forth in your life. It's what will come forth. Your mouth is a production plant. What's produced in here is going to manifest out there. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his lips and by the produce of his mouth he shall be satisfied. Zechariah had to have his mouth shut because he would have never... He would have never produced what God wanted to produce in his life. And I said it before, you can't override that law of faith. God will not override that law of faith. It, it is to the irrefutable law of faith is it is to you as you have believed, so let it be unto you. And your faith is expressed through your speaking. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Let me finish this. For assuredly I say to you, whoever, has, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So I want to focus on that, lap, that last part. You will have whatever, whatever you say. It doesn't say you'll have only the good things you say. You'll have whatever you say. Your words are building the roadmap for your life. Build wisely. Your words are building the roadmap for your life. Build biblically. Can't harvest Bible results when speaking worldly words. So how do you fix it? Store up his word in your heart. David said, I have, I have laid up thy word in my heart that I would not sin against you. People make that to be that I won't sin against you and like I won't go out and and uh, get angry or commit adultery or, 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 or fashion other gods after my own liking. That's not necessarily the only thing that verse is referring to. I have hidden thy word in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you in word, in word or in deed. David said in the book of Psalms, he said, I have set a guard over my mouth and a watch and a door over the, the and a watch over the door of my lips. David was very conscious about the words that he let out of his mouth because he understood. You know, Psalm 34, 11, listen to this. Psalm 34, 11. This broadcast is going to save a lot of people's lives. I mean, think of it this way. God is a faith God. He brought, the Bible says, everything we see were made, was made by words because the worlds were framed by the word of God, the Bible says, Hebrews eleven three. So God, he believed and he spoke. He believed, he wanted a, an earth with a human race and all that. He operated by the law of faith in the creation of the universe, in the creation of the world. He believed in what he spoke, and then he, or he believed in what he wanted to see, and then he spoke it into existence. Let there be light, and the Lord, and there was light. Let there be vegetation. Let there be uh, critters and, and, and 
and, and animals and four-legged beasts. And the Lord saw. He said, let there be. He spoke and he saw. Read Genesis 1 and highlight every time it says God said and then highlight every time it says God saw. You'll see what I'm talking about. God didn't see anything that he didn't speak. The whole Bible is actually an account of God bringing things to pass by speaking things. That's why it says, my word, Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be which proceeds out of my mouth. It shall never return void. It shall prosper wherein I send it and accomplish that which I send it out to accomplish. So the Bible is a catalog documenting everything God said would come to pass and then everything that came to pass in alignment with what he said would come to pass. That's why he says, I'm not a man that I should lie. As I have spoken, so shall it be. As I have declared, so shall it come to pass. So God, that's why Jesus said, have the faith of God in Mark eleven twenty two. We're to be imitators of God. God's a faith God. He uses his words to express his faith. We're faith children. We use our words to express our faith. David understood that. If I'm going to see anything happen in life, it's going to first begin with the words that I speak. Psalm 34, 11. Come, you children. Listen to me. Is something wrong with the audio? Let me know if the audio's. Uh, it shouldn't be cutting. Let me know if it clears up. Because it shouldn't be cutting. Oh, there you go. It's good. Psalm 3411. Come, you children. Listen to me. And I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? So he's saying, here is how you can see good come to pass in your life. Here's how you can take command over what you see manifest in your life. Here's how you can change the direction you're going in. You have to see your life as you being on a ship and you're in control of the rudder of the ship, which James 3 says, even so the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. So you have to, you have to see yourself as you're on a ship, you have the rudder of the ship, you're in control as to where you direct that rudder to going. And your tongue... Your tongue is the rudder. And he, James actually says, even though there are large waves at sea, the ship goes in the direction of where the rudder directs it to go. So it doesn't get tossed by the wind. Some people live lives directed by circumstance. Where they are now, is based on a series of events that transpired. Well, you know, this happened, so I decided to do this, and that happened, and then I went there, and I... Instead of having a set destination in life and using their words and their actions to beeline it in that direction. I don't want to be ruled by my, by my circumstances. I don't want to be ruled by what happens. My happenings in life should not be ruled by what has happened to me in life. I don't want to just go in the direction of what happens. 
I don't want to just go, I don't want to take life as it comes. Life will either be your master or your slave. You could either be a slave to what life throws at you. You know, if life throws you lemons, make lemonade, just make do. No, if life throws you lemonades, take the lemons, take the, if life throws you lemons, take the lemon, squeeze it in life's face and tell it where you're going. Life doesn't give you what you deserve or what you think you deserve. Life gives you what you demand. What you demand from the word of God. That's why even God said in Isaiah 46, Isaiah 45, 11, sorry. God said, he says, concerning the work of my hands, concerning what you've seen me do in times past, command ye me. Even God is saying, hey, 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 don't take things as they come. Don't let life throw you around. Concerning what you've seen me do, command those things to come to pass in your life and you'll have what you say. Ezekiel, you see the valley full of dry bones? Isn't it a shame? It's such unfortunate. No, prophesy. Use your mouth. Learn to use your mouth to change the things that you see. Learn to use your mouth to change the things that you see. There's a minister that, that has a, a sermon called How to Use Your Mouth. How to, what is it? How to Use Your Mouth. How to Use What You Say to Create What You Want. Use your mouth to create what you want. That's what David's saying here. He said, who's the man who loves many days? I don't know about you, but I want many, I, I want many days. Yeah, I, don't, I ain't going to die young. I want, I want to live to 100. I want to be like Billy Graham. 99 years, 96 years old or whatever he was, 97 years old, and he's doing a televised program, making a call, an invitation, televised to millions, inviting people to come to the Lord at 96 years old. Come on. I want to be like that, that he may see good. I don't want to just live long and just expire in a nursing home somewhere. I want to see good in my old day. I want to be fresh and flourishing. So David goes on to say, here's how you get there. Let him keep his tongue from evil and let your lips be kept from speaking deceit. Which anything that opposes God's word is deceit because the word of God is truth. If it goes against the word of God, it's a lie. Let him keep his tongue from speaking evil. So it doesn't say, who is the man who loves many days that he may see good? Beg God and just leave it in his hands. It's not in God's hands. It's in your hands. I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living, David said. I would have lost heart had I not believed and said that I'd see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. That's why the Bible says, great peace have they that love his law and nothing gets them to stumble. I love God's word, so I speak God's word. And the Bible says people that constantly live like that, they have great peace in life. And that word peace is shalom, which in the Hebrew is not just this superficial peace. It's not some, some ethereal peace. Well, they just got good vibes in life. No, shalom means completeness. It means wholeness. It means total fullness. It means being abundantly supplied in everything in life. That's why David said in Psalm 91, I will say of my God, he's my refuge, he's my strength. His confession wasn't ruled by what he felt, 
Get out of your feelings. I'm, man, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm trying to... To, 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 to shape you up today because I'm, I'm through with the devil slapping you around. I'm through with the devil taking advantage of the people of God. Enough is enough. And then I'm through of, uh, of other ministers just blaming everything on the devil. Well, if, you have, if you're struggling with this, it's probably a spirit of that. If you're struggling with this, no. A lot of times it's not a spirit of this and that. Most of the time, it's a, it's a spirit of unbelief that is causing you to speak opposing things to what the Word of God promises, and it's bringing you down. Your words, Proverbs 6.2, the Bible says, a man is snared by the words of his mouth. A man is snared by the words of his mouth. A man is taken by the words of his lips. Proverbs 6, 2. Proverbs 13. Let me go through a few Proverbs just to drill this in you even further. Because people think, well, he's preaching positive confession. What do you want me to preach? Negative confession? Go out and say, I'm going to die tomorrow. Go out and say, I'm going to get sick. Go out and say, I'm poor and dumb and ugly. What do you want me to say? Even science has come out. And, and like I said before, it's not positive confession. It's Bible confession. But even science in recent times has come out. And, uh, and experts are now saying, well, not now saying, it's been like 30 years, that when you speak a word, your brain fires off neurons throughout your entire body to, to, to prepare your body to feel the way you've, uh, or, or to, to, to line up with what you've spoken. So if you speak, I'm weak, your, your brain is going to fire off neurons, which are messages to the rest of your body, your brain's going to fire off a message to the rest of your body, prepare to be weak. If you feel like you're tired and you start saying, I'm tired. I don't ever confess, I'm tired. And when I do, if I've ever done it, which I have, but I, 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 I repent and I turn, I, I turn away from it right away. Because um, when you say you're tired, first of all, nothing good comes from saying I'm tired. But the moment you say you're tired, your body actually will just get more tired. I feel like I'm going to have a burnout. Your brain just said, hey, guys, hands, feet, heart, lungs, cardiovascular system, prepare for burnout. Master said burnout's coming. Burnout's coming, baby. That's what, that's what you're doing, whether you know it or not. And this is not just Bible. Bible said this 3,500 years ago. But science is now finally lining up with it and di discovering that these things are true. Your, your body's going to feel uh, what you what what you tell it to feel like? That's why they went up to Wigglesworth once and said, "Smith Wigglesworth, why is it that you you just look vibrant, eighty four years old? You look stronger than ever. You look amazing. Teeth, beautiful set of teeth. Hair, full head of hair. A, a strapping lad at eighty four years old. Nate Lester Sumrall said in his book when people would ask him, saying, "Why? What's the secret to your youth?" Like, how, how do you feel like that? And you know what he said? I don't, I, don't, I don't ask myself how I feel. I tell myself how to feel. I don't ask myself, how do I feel? Oh, take an examination. How do I feel today? Uh, you know, I feel that. You know that whole, like, uh, self-examination, introspection stuff is a lot of it is just the devil trying to catch you up in disguise. 
I'm not saying it's a bad thing to look, you know, where am I at in life? That's good. That's good introspection. But to start looking, look deep down in your heart and just feel, just say how you feel. All of that's doing nothing. You know, the Bible actually says in Proverbs 19.3, I believe it is, it says a fool vents all his feelings. A fool vents all his feelings. A wise man holds them back because a wise man understands that my words are going to multiply how I feel. Or they're going to bring to me how I want to feel. So even science now has determined that when you speak a thing, your body will prepare itself to feel that way. That's why they tell you, start even if you don't feel like a champion, the word of God says you're more than a conqueror. Speak that I'm more than a conqueror. Stop downplaying who God has made you to be in Christ. I'm just a nothing, amen? No, you're his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10, you're a masterpiece, the Bible says. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm just a wretched, depraved human, amen? Not amen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You're God's holy possession. You know, they came to John the Baptist, and they said, uh, who are you, and what do you say about yourself? They asked him, what do you say about yourself? What was John's reply? Uh, you know, uh, just nothing. He's everything. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in a wilderness. Make way the, the straight, make way the way of the Lord, or make straight the way of the Lord. Prepare his make his and his prepare and make his path straight. I am a voice of one. He knew who he was because he understood what the word of God said about him in prophecy. There's too many wordless Christians. They don't know who they are in Christ. And it greatly affects what they say about themselves. They berate them, their own selves. They speak worse about themselves. The devil is even like, man, you're actually creative in how poorly you speak about yourself. Well, I, I got to applaud that one. You're creative. I got to use that on others. That's a great thing. People are so creative in how they speak about themselves in a garbage manner. And they, get, they do this year after year after year after year. And then it's you've, you have pumped into your own spirit defeat and failure, so you're not able to do anything. Instead, do the opposite. And that's why I'm doing this broadcast today. You can't change destination overnight, but you can change direction that you're going in. And your life is going to go in the, in the direction of your strongest words. So start to speak the opposite of what you've been speaking. Get in the Word of God. Underline what the Bible says about you. What does the Bible say about you? They said to John, what do you say about yourself? Determine today. I'm not going to say anything about myself than that which the word of God says about me. Whether I feel it, feel it or not. You think I wake up every morning and I feel anointed? You think I wake up every morning and I just feel like a man who can leap over a wall and run through a troop? You think I wake up uh, before I'm, or like I, I'm getting ready to go and preach a sermon somewhere at a church and every single time I feel victory in my spirit and I feel like I can run and I can jump. I just feel like a Holy Ghost uh, um, champion. You think every time I take that mic, I have like, I'm doing like uh, somersaults within my spirit? No. There are times I don't feel th a thing. But you know what I've learned to do? 
I'll speak the word. If I don't feel anything in a sermon, I'll open up the word of God and I'll start to read Joshua 1. I'll start to read Psalm 1. I'll start to read Psalm 91. I'll start to read, I'll start to read Colossians 1. I'll start to read what the Psalm 103, bless the Lord, oh my soul, forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases. And as I begin to speak the word, it starts to bubble up faith on the inside of me and the strength I didn't have before comes on me and the anointing I didn't feel before comes on me and the power I didn't feel before comes on me and then I begin to speak and preach and the fire of God begins to flow through me. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says in Joel, let the weak say I am strong. Hallelujah. Now let the weak feel like they're strong and then when they feel that they can start to say it because we're not liars. We're not going to speak something we don't feel. It's the opposite of faith. Well, brother, can you really say they're healed? They still have pain in their body. Does the word of God say you're healed? Then quit saying I'm sick. Quit saying I'm going to die. Quit saying doctor said this. Quit saying doctor said that. Is the doctor a greater prophet than the word of God? God's word's never wrong. You can't go wrong quoting God. You're never lying quoting God. God's word is always anointed. So even if you don't feel strong or don't feel well or don't feel good, God's word is anointed. And when you speak the word of God, the anointing comes behind it to begin to quicken that word in your body. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body and the weakness you felt all of a sudden it leaves your system and strength like no other begins to overwhelmingly invade and then you start to say like David by my God I can run over a uh, I can run run through a tree and by my God I can leap over a wall he makes my feet like hinds feet I can ride on the high places of the earth he teaches my hands to bow a bed of bronze yeah he exalts my strength like that of a wild ox. Hallelujah. A soundless Christian is a signless Christian. A soundless Christian is a signless Christian. Let me read some, some more Proverbs, like I, was, I said I was going to do. Proverbs 13, 2. A man will eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful, so someone who has no faith, which we already said, when you have no faith, you just speak whatever. That person will feed on violence. Life will just be a violent tossing to and fro of every wind. He who guards his mouth, Proverbs 13, 3, preserves his life. So the Bible says when you guard your mouth, you're preserving your entire life. The Bible goes on to say, but he who opens wide his lips will have destruction. Go ahead, say what you, say what you want. Just say what be undisciplined in what comes out of your mouth. The Bible says you'll have destruction. Numbers 13, 12 spies. Two come back. They all see the same land. Two come back, say, hey, if the Lord is for us, we can by all means gain possession of the land. God's for us. Those giants will be like bread for us to eat. We can by all means take possession. The other 10 spies said, no, 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 we're not able. You know what happened in Numbers 14, 26? God said... As for Joshua and Caleb, they have another spirit that, which caused them to speak another word. And when they spoke another word, it gave them a different story. A different spirit, a different testimony, a different testimony, a different story. He said, as for Joshua and Caleb, they're going to enter the, the promised land. But everyone else, as they have spoken in the hearing of my ears, so shall I do to them. 
as they have spoken in the hearing of my ears, so shall I do to them. He who opens wide his lips will have destruction. And then the famous one, Proverbs 18, 20, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's why I titled today, The Creative Power of Words. God created you in his own image. The same way that he has power to speak a word and it comes to pass, he gave man the power in the tongue to speak a word, whether good or bad, and it come to pass. You can either choose today, from today, to keep speaking death, and it'll keep bringing death to pass. Or you can turn on the life switch and start speaking life and see life come to pass. Start see, speaking promotion. Start speaking health. Start speaking blessing. Start speaking goodness. Start speaking uh, victory. You know, when you confess defeat, you'll get defeated. If you'll confess victory, you'll, you'll attract victory to your life. That's why Paul says, thanks be unto God, who always leads us to what? To victory. He always brings us triumph in all things by Christ Jesus. And through us diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, giving thanks unto God, who always gives us the victory. That's why he said we go from glory to glory. So stop saying, uh, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. Who knows what tomorrow? No, all will be well with the righteous. That's what was the secret of that woman, the Shunammite woman, who Elisha had uh, had already performed a miracle to bring her a son. She had a son in old age. That she she had all the money she wanted. She had she had everything, but she didn't have a, a son. Elisha said, "By this time next year, you'll have a son." She had it. A couple of years down the line, he has some freak accident, and the son ends up dying. You know what the woman did? She put him on, his, on her donkey and started to head out to see Elisha. When she was met along the way, every time someone said, is everything okay with you? Is everything all right with you? Do you know what the Shunammite woman's reply was? Oh, you know, it's been better. I've seen better days. Actually, it's pretty rough. Thanks for asking. You know, I've just been waiting for someone to see my sorry face to ask me what's up. Anyways, glad I have someone here. You can either secure man's sympathy or you can secure God's intervention. You choose. You can either secure man's sympathy or choose to secure God's intervention. You choose. You know what she did? She said, all is well. It is well with me. Every time someone stopped her, you all right? It is well. Nothing was well. But you know what? That's a secret of a champion of faith. A champion of faith doesn't talk about their situation as what it is now. A champion of faith calls those things which be not as though they were. A champion of faith calls his situation by what he wants to see, not by what he is seen. And what did it turn out to be? Her son came back to life and restored back to the mother. She had what she said. It is well and it became well. Abraham, I've made you a father of many, many nations. Or rather, Abram, no longer call your name Abram, for I've made you a father of many nations. From now on, I'm calling you Abraham. Well, you know, Abram, Abraham, not much of a difference. But if you know the, the, the language that he's speaking in, Abram means exalted father. He already had Ishmael. Abram was applicable to him. He was an exalted father. He had a son. But God said, I'm going to give you a son by Sarah, Isaac. And in Isaac, you'll be the father of a multitude of nations. So don't call yourself Abram any longer. Start to call yourself Abraham. Stop calling yourself by what you are now or by your old identity. 
No longer call yourself by what you were. Start to call yourself by who I've made you to be. You're not Abram anymore. You're Abraham. You're a father of a multitude of nations. Could you imagine him going out and introducing himself as Abraham? Abraham? What do you mean, Abraham? Can I see how all your sons? Well, I only have one, Ishmael, right now. But, uh, but, 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 but my wife's going to come and she's going to bring forth a son. We're going to call him Isaac and, and in him there'll be a multitude of nations. Well, it's a bit foolish to jump the gun, you know. Maybe change your name after Isaac comes, but call yourself Abraham right now. You know, he, I'm sure you had people that, that were confused. Hey, what's your name? Hi, pleased to meet you. I'm Abraham, father of a multitude of nations. Doesn't look like it. But you know what Abraham did? He didn't care. He was ready to endure the ridicule of men to see the ridiculous acts of God performed in his life. He was ready to look foolish before men so that he could see the supernatural manifest in his life. That's why God said, don't call yourself Abraham. Stop calling yourself by what you were. Stop calling yourself uh, by your old identity and your old nature. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. So start to call yourself by what you want done. You want your children saved and on fire for God? Start to declare, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. The Bible says in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 8, as for you and your household, uh, ye shall be saved, both you and your household. And salvation will come to both you and your household. So start to say that. Start to say, my descent, the descendants of the upright will be blessed. They shall be mighty on the earth. Start to say that my children will be like uh, olive plants, plants planted around all my table. That my children have not come forth with trouble. My family is going to, my family say, I declare my children on fire for God. I declare my children in church on Sunday morning, serving the Lord, plugged into church. You're believing God for your health to turn? Stop, stop repeating the doctor's report. I'm not saying bury your head in the ground and don't, don't read what they're saying. But I'm saying, no matter what they say, I cast down every imagination and I take every thought captive to the obedience of the word of Christ. And I bring it into subjection to that. Might feel that way, but by his stripes I'm healed. Might feel that way, but the Bible says... That Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him, and he's not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That same healing power is alive and well in me. I will be made well. I will not, be, I will not die. I will live, and I will declare the works of the Lord. Finances are going a little down? No. My God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. This is a secret. This is the secret to living victoriously in life. I'm telling you. It seems so simple, but you know what the Bible says? In 2 Corinthians 11:4, I fear, Paul says, lest just as Satan deceived Eve by uh, his subtlety, so you too will be deceived from the simplicity of the gospel. Just as Satan deceived Eve by his subtility, by his craftiness, so you too will be deceived from the simplicity of the gospel. The Bible's very simple. Religion likes to make it complex. Do this, do that, get this, go that, go back to this, do that. The Bible's very simple. Romans chapter 10. 
The Bible says, this is the word of faith, that if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And that word saved is sozo, which is the all-encompassing word of salvation. Salvation in spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. What you say is carries weight in God's sight. What you say matters to God. And God's word, this is amazing. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. It's not different. The creative power of words. You create your future by the words you release today. Show me, let me listen to your words for one day, 24-hour period. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly what tomorrow will look like for you. I'll tell you what 10 years down the line will look like for you. I'll tell you exactly the direction you're heading in. Just by listening to the words that you speak. You can't harvest, you can't harvest Bible blessing by speaking worldly words. I think that's everything I have to say today. Your words are going to be, your world will be framed by your words. Your world will be framed by your words. So I said it before. Negative confession, n- negative words, negative, negative world that you'll live in. Positive confession, you'll have a positive world. But even if all you have is positivity, you can still be slapped around and have a positive heart in all of it. You know, that's all it does. Oh, they were positive to the end. Great. Bible confession, Bible words released out of simple lips lips of faith will produce Bible results, supernatural results, supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. And I want to reiterate this for those of you that just tuned in right now. When you speak a thing, it's not speaking it once and then waking up tomorrow and expecting everything to have lined up. You keep speaking and you persevere. That's why the Bible says faith is often tied with perseverance. In Luke 18, Jesus says that the, 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 the widow who was going to the judge to get justice from her adversary, she kept doing it day after day. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith like that on the earth? Faith never gives up. Faith never quits speaking until it starts seeing. Moses went before Pharaoh, day one, let my people go. Did the people get let go on day one? No. Took took days. I don't even know how many days because the Bible is not very clear. Because it took him approaching Pharaoh about 10 times, but those those weren't necessarily 10 days in succession to one another. Could have been 10 days spread out. So who knows how long it took. But Moses kept going and he kept speaking. Let my people go. Let my people go. My people are free. My people are free. And eventually... He reaped what he spoke. So don't stop speaking until you start seeing. Elijah was praying for rain. 
sent his servant. Is there rain? No. Well, you know, we got to leave it in God's hands sometimes. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says maybe. That's a quitter's line. That is a quitter's line. That is a lazy Christian sentence. That is a, I'm too lazy to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold on that which God actually promised I can have. So let me come up with some stupid Christian cliche so that I can look like I'm spiritual to everyone else, even though there's no, not even one ounce of spirituality in me. In me. Sometimes the people who are the most spiritual are actually the most fleshly, carnal people ever. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no. We've got to surrender to his will in that matter. I surrender to his will in that if he wants me to die for the gospel, I'll do it. But I don't surrender to the will of the devil. I surrender to God's will, not to the devil's will. Sickness is not God's will. Depression is not God's will. Your family looking like hell on earth is not God's will. God sets the solitary in the family. Living a life of constant struggling is not God's will. I mean, look at Paul, everything he went through. And he's, he still was saying, I'm struck down, never destroyed. Persecuted, never abandoned. Nay, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. You look at how Paul talked. He didn't say, oh, sometimes he says, yeah, sometimes. He talked like a champion. He was like the Holy Ghost Terminator. Gets stoned one place and he's up the next day. Hey, let's go to Galatia or let's go to, let's go to Macedonia. I got to preach there too. But Paul, you have, a, you have an eyeball just like kind of hanging out of that left socket. You want to just take a... No, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on! That's why the Bible... Oh, hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4.13. That's why the Bible says... Paul said, We have the same spirit of faith as Caleb and Joshua had. As they believed and they spoke, so we believe... And we speak. Learn to prophesy to those dry bones. Not complain about the dry bones. Prophesy. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Live again. Rise up again. Learn to prophesy to your body, to your organs. Kidneys, come back to life. Lungs, restore. Heart, be strengthened. Legs, walk. We having the same spirit of faith. Spirit of unbelief, just... Spirit of unbelief surrenders to what it sees. The spirit of faith is violent to take heaven down and refuses to, to concede. The spirit of unbelief concedes to what it sees. The spirit of faith fights the good fight of faith until it, it lays hold on that which Christ said you can have. And I'm going to repeat this. Life is not determined by what God wants. Life is not determined by what the devil wants. Life is determined by what you choose to believe and speak and lay hold of for yourself. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Actually, before I do that, if you're here and you've never, made a, uh, you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, the very first confession you have to make before any other confession, Bible confession works for you, is the confession of the faith, which is 
that you have to believe in your heart. God raised Christ from the dead and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Have you done that? Has there ever been a time in your life where you, you, you made a decision to follow Christ? Where you consciously said, I'm, I'm through going this way. I'm through living in sin. I'm through going this direction. Today, I'm moving with Jesus. I commit my life to Christ. I, I'm giving my life over to heaven's will. If you've never done that, today's your day. You need to get right with the Lord. The Bible says that sin is in the human race. And that sin kills. And that sin destroys. And that sin will send you to hell in a handbasket. But bless God, He sent a way where there was no way. There was no human effort, no work that you could have done, no giving amounts to salvation. You couldn't give your weight out of salvation. Only the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to break the hold of sin off your life. Are you saved? Are you washed in the blood? Have you found the Lord? Or has the Lord found you? Are, you? are you redeemed? Can you say without a shadow of a doubt, my account is settled in heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. My sins are forgiven. Not one sin that stands before me and a holy God. I'm righteous before God. If you can't say that with absolute confidence, you need to make this, you need to pray with me right now. Pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe today that you raised Christ from the dead. I confess Jesus is my Lord. I ask you, fill me with your spirit. Where I was weak, make me strong. Turn my life around. Today, old things pass away. Everything becomes new. My sins are forgiven. My account is settled in heaven. I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. Today, I'm a new creation. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I'm never turning back. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to get in contact with me. Go to my website, salvationnow.ca. Fill out the link. Uh, there's a link that pops up. I just got saved. Fill it out. I want to hear from you. Um, there's a video at the bottom of a page that's four basic things I would tell you as a born-again Christian, a new born-again Christian, that's going to greatly help you. Four ba if I had 30 minutes with you right now, face-to-face, -face, these are the four things I would tell you. It's going to greatly help you and assist you. Go and do that um, and, uh, and fill out that form. I want to hear from you. God bless you richly. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.